I can enjoy my dinosaur nuggets with my honey mustard. Don't die with the ice. I swear to God. <laughs> you know, fucking mute that ice thing, man. The, uh. <laughs> this is how our episodes are going to start now. It's just you jiggling ice. <laughs> on the positive side, welcome uh, to the nurture. I unplug my... Hold on. <laughs> no problems. It's either going to be my jiggling ice or the sound of you eating Hello? at the beginning okay. of every episode. I'm hungry. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, this is a tire fire. We record at 8 p.m. Eat before we record. I don't, because I get home and we did Christmas slice tonight and then it's kids in bed and then this is it. All right. Welcome to the Nerd Trek Podcast. I I don't know why we had that whole first minute that was completely useless. <laughs> Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm here with Dave. What's up? Phil. Hey, everybody. Uh, today we're talking about episode number 28 of the first season of original Star Trek, The City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, original Yay. air date, uh, April 6th, 1967. Um, one of the highest rated episodes. It's probably top three for most fans i think if you a lot of fans this is probably their like number one trek episode um uh yeah kind of the classic you know alternate timeline or kind of how do you alter history what's the moral thing to do um do you sacrifice one to save many kind of a thing so a lot of kind of moral stuff in this one um but a good episode all around um we'll get into it couple more questions I wanted to ask you guys to let, have our fans get to know us after 28 episodes. Oh, you're doing this very, again, huh? <laughs> you shut your mouth. You go sit with your ice and you sit there. <laughs> you enjoy it. Enjoy your ice. Um, uh, uh, I hate you so much. Uh, Phil, favorite species in Star Trek? Plus, I want Man, to ask you, you really got to preface for these. Um, well, and I want to ask you questions so that I can eat my dino nuggets. Mm. <laughs> Favorite species. <laughs> uh, betazoids. Interesting. Why? Uh, betazoid. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> Our 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 sound clips <laughs> our, our sound clips are gonna be what the fuck is a gorn? <laughs> what the fuck is a betazoid? Is that like the ones that came out after the alpha zoids? Is that just <laughs> once it entered beta? Oh, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Oh my god! Uh, a betazoid is the species of what uh, Dana Troy is. They're like psychic. Yeah, they've got tall at the top. Because they didn't just have psychic humans? Anyway, okay, why are Betazoids your favorite? Probably because of the telepathic abilities and naked weddings. I'm just going to throw that in there. Hey, Ferengi have naked weddings. Do they? Actually, no, sorry, females. Uh, The the women are naked all the time, (laughs) yeah, and treated like crap, so. Oh, that's true. Okay, not a good example. No. All right. Uh, David, favorite species in Star Trek? Well, I don't. I don't know nearly as many as Phil does. Uh, you can go with question. humans too. That's fine. Well, I'm not going to go we with suck. humans. We're the worst. We're boring. <laughs> We're the worst. Oh. So I remember. 
this is going to be the weirdest thing ever. I remember in an episode of Voyager, Phil, tell me back us up. They they talk mm-hmm. about a species on a random planet that has seven different genders. And it looks like these four-legged, silvery-skinned things with these weird-shaped heads. I don't know why, but that always stuck with me. I don't know what that is. That's all on Phil. <sighs> That's your favorite species in all of Star Trek, is that? I don't know. It's the one that came to mind first. I, I would probably say out of all of them, I actually do like the Klingons, especially from TNG and Voyager. I'd say those are probably my favorite. Um, the other sad thing is... When I think about my favorite ones, Star Wars isn't even what comes to mind. It's all the stuff in the Orville. Because I love the the different alien species they created in the Orville. The Mocklins are just fantastic. And the, the robot guys, I forget their names at the moment. Okay. But those, I don't know. I like those a lot. Okay. I, I would say the Borg would probably be a close second. But I don't know if that's... I mean, is that an alien species, per se? It's more like assimilations yeah, yeah. of others. Let's for, for this purpose, let's count it as a species. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, I think for me, I have to go. see. I wish the Federation had more non-humans. Um, I'm fascinated by the Kelpians, like Saru on Discovery. I, I would like to know more about them. Um, I have to go Vulcans, maybe. I wonder if you're thinking of Species Eight Four Seven Two. I think I, I am. Know what that, that is. Familiar. No, that's from Voyager familiar. because they have is. like they have like five genders. Huh. I, I'm gonna let like, you guys. I have no clue. Let me look this up. Hold on, hold on. Give me two seconds. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I am relatively certain that is what it was. Holy crap, Phil! Good call. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think I have to go with the Q continuum for my favorite species because they're just they're so fascinating, and I would. Because they're so omnipotent, and they're kind of the ob- omnipotent of the ob- uh, omnipotent. Yeah. out! <clears throat> I hate you so much. <laughs> All right, well, let's. I'll think of some more ones to ask, just because it, 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 it apparently it confuses you guys and causes a problem. So, which is always fun. Nah. Ah, that's fun. Plus, I got to eat some Dino Nuggets, so there's always that. Um, okay, well, Dave is searching for his omnisexual creature, which I don't want to get into whatever Freudian thing that says about him. Um, okay, so let's get into this one. Um, okay, so the city on the edge of forever. Um, uh, Phil, uh, prelim thoughts? I mean, I'm sure you've seen it before, probably, right? Um, yeah, I remember seeing it an eon and a half ago, probably. Um, but no, even rewatching it now is like oh yeah and it's a really good tos episode it it deals with time travel i mean i'm a sucker for time travel episodes anyways yeah um but yeah i i yeah it's a great episode it's like the ultimate the ultimate choice um yeah like what does kirk do when with edith keeler knowing that she dies like how does that happen how does everything come together um it was the only the only complaint i have is the end because that ending is very abrupt it's like they she yeah. gets hit by the truck and then they're good to go and all of a sudden they're back and it's like yeah. oh, okay it's a little a little rushed i think but other than that it's yeah. it's a really solid episode of tos but I think you get that through a lot of even TNG and 
And, and I think that's just kind of how te- television was at the time, or even up until the 80s, 90s, early 2000s was, let's have a 45-minute problem, and then, oh, we got three minutes left, let's solve it back back to normal. Yeah, we got to get back to status quo before the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah and that's how a lot well, of it is. And in, and in TOS, which doesn't really do arcs or multi-part, the, right. it's, it's just a thing of the times. Because when we go to, like, TNG, we'll get to... Um, the episode, the two-parter where they go back to San Francisco uh, during Time Zero. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what it's called. Um, time Zero. Okay. Uh, with Mark Twain and everything. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great episode, and it's a two-parter, and it needed to be, but it's handled oh, yeah. really well. Uh, like I said, I'm a sucker for time travel episodes, so whatever. Okay. Dave, what was your take on this one? Well, before I get into that, yes, Species 8472 is exactly the one I was thinking of. I literally looked it up and found, like, the image I have in my head. So Sweet. up to five species is what it was. Nice. I cannot believe you managed to pull that up. Yeah, they're like bioships and genetic engineering. They're they're much Nerds. more unique than everything else in the Star Trek universe. And I'd say that's probably my favorite. And then Borg is, like, a close second. And then Klingons right after that. But, so I... I City on the edge of like warrior races. That's interesting. Yeah. Warrior species. Okay. Sure. So <laughs> they are. No, it's they not. Are. It's not good or bad. It's just all three of them are very. I was gonna say I'm not sure what that says about me, but we'll delve into that in some other thing <laughs> eventually. Yeah. That's okay. Um, City on the edge of forever. <laughs> just it's okay. There's just you can it's say okay. it. just let safe, it out. It's, it's a right. safe well, no, space. So. There are things I really like about this episode, and there are things I really don't like about this episode. I both love and hate the way they deal with time travel and such, but at the same time, it's better than a lot of the other times they deal with it in Star Trek and so on, so I give them some props for that. Especially, it depends on whether I'm looking at it through the lens of now and everything I know and now the science fiction I've seen, or if I'm looking through the lens of 1969-1970 when I know that any of this has been there. No. So if I'm looking through it through the old lens, this is amazing. If I'm looking through it the current lens, I have a lot of problems with it. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I'm going to say this probably ranks about a seven on the Devo meter. It's better than the last episode, Alternative Factor, and it's definitely not yes. the worst. But some of it, I just, I don't know. I, I like the fact that it's kind of like, oh, there's this time warp thing from these ancient ruins and who knows how they got here. And then, like you said, all of a sudden, it's just kind of everything comes back to status quo and they're done. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. This, it's this so easily could have been a two parter and it would have been amazing. Oh, but yeah, I do it kinda, totally would have been. I do like the time travel mechanism where they're like, oh, it's scanning through times and you have to jump through at the right time. And we kind of saw it, but we have to make sure we're ahead of him, but we're not too far ahead because they end up being like a week or something ahead. Of, um, th- that was all really good and well handled, I felt like. But yeah, the whole like getting back and ending, was, I don't know. Yeah, that major okay. problems with that. But I do like it is one of the few times that I've seen where people go back in time and they find out that somebody needs to die to keep the timeline intact and they actually do it mm-hmm. because all the time I'm watching these time travel things. I'm like, no, you have to let that person like, yeah, be done. Like, sorry, they got to kick the bucket here. They yeah. have to, they have to, they have to exit the time stream. They have to not be there anymore. And the only other show I would say that I really loved that handled that was uh, DC's legends of tomorrow because they dealt with, I think 
the Troy, the Helen of Troy has to disappear at a certain point and they don't kill her, but they do take her somewhere where she'll never be seen again. But she gets to live in like a society. They take her to the Amazons or something. Themyscira. Uh, Themyscira. Yeah. They take her to Themyscira and they let her live there. Yeah. And I was like, in my brain, I was like, that totally, yeah, that totally tracks. That loophole totally makes sense in the, the rules that they had provided in time travel. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I both loved and hated this one. I can see why it's some people's favorite. It's not mine. <laughs> okay, no, and that's fair. Yeah, um, I mean, for TOS, this is probably my favorite so far, not having seen the entire series yet. It's definitely overall Trek episodes. I don't even know if it would hit my top ten. Okay. Just because it's TOS and I tend to have a bias against it, but <laughs> what I know, right? No. Who would have who would have ever thought? Yeah, that's what I'm but, saying. Seven. But so far, for, but so far for what we've seen from <laughs> TOS, this is number one. Yeah, and I think that's the thing too is that, and, and that's probably with with all TOS or even TNG, because even when you get into TNG, you go, oh, this is a very '80s episode or a very '90s kind of vibe on some things Mm -hmm. but yeah if you look at this from the 1967 68 or 67 yeah when it first came out you're like oh my god this is probably amazing um and and i i'm kind of with both of you so i i appreciate it. it it's a classic episode it's probably top three or five of tos um it's not my top favorite i think i think my favorite right now is a balance of terror um that's one of my favorite so far, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do appreciate what it did. It's it's definitely a lot more. It's the the moral discussion, moral dilemma. It's a bit more high concept stuff than probably just a lot of the other stuff that we've seen. So I appreciate mm-hmm. it for that. Um, and of course, it was written by uh, by. Uh, <laughs> sorry, those damn dynamics got man. caught in me. It was written by Harlan Ellison, who's an amazing sci-fi writer. Um, I, I don't know if this is the only one he did. I don't remember. Mm, I don't know if this is the only Trek episode he did. I want to yeah. say so, but I'm not positive on that. So I think it's it's not my absolute favorite. It's definitely probably an essential one if you want to get the vibe for Star Trek. Um, and, and Trek at its best, I think this is definitely like a top three Trek at its best, at least uh, for TOS. So, um, okay. So let's get into this one. I, oh, and I'll be honest, I did not like the whole reasoning why they had to get uh, McCoy in there. It just it was it made no sense to me as like from like a medical perspective. OK, so it opens up with they're in orbit over um, an unexplored planet, of course, um, and they're on. Yeah, which is like every other episode. Um, they're on red alert. They pass through some sort of violent time distortion surrounding the planet. Um, plot its orbits. Scotty warns that the control circuits are threatening to overload, which of course they are. Uh, so did anybody else like the moment mm-hmm. this started? I I had to check and make sure that I didn't start too far into the episode because they didn't have like the typical star date or the log or anything like that. They kind of just jumped into the episode. It just jumps in. Yeah. And the a couple minutes in, I like I had to double check and I was like, wait, did I skip? No. Okay. No. No, I'm on track. Okay. Kind of like um, the one where we had to like check a minute into to see if we'd even put on Star Trek, like the right show. That was uh, tomorrow was yesterday. Yeah. I, I had kind of that like double take a little bit into oh, it. Yeah. Check and make sure I was watching the right thing. <laughs> the right yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's because I mean, most, most other time. episodes start with uh, a captain's log. This one does not. Yeah. Um, okay. So they're there. Um, the helm console explodes, hurts Sulu. So of course, uh, well, Scotty takes in, takes over Helm. This is uh, McCoy comes to the bridge for the emergency first aid. 
Scotty questions if they should break orbit. Spock says we shouldn't because we're passing through ripples in time and they're great significant important or scientific importance that we need to study them and investigate. So he, Kirk agrees. Yes, we should do this. Tells uh, Uhura to broadcast to Starfleet command, which is kind of interesting too. He says, Oh, transmit all of our past log entries in case we like go over, like we vanish. I was like, that's a smart thing to do. Yeah. It is, but I always assume the Enterprise would have some kind of like black box with his log entries or something in case something happened. But yeah, ship blows up. There ain't nothing surviving that. Yeah, if yeah, yeah if the matter antimatter makes us, David, <laughs> they could have some super futuristic black box that I don't know. <laughs> well, in, in in later episodes, like in TNG, um, they'll leave. They'll send out a probe, like a message thing, oh, and movie or something. And yeah, if they can't get through on subspace or whatever. Uh, but it's interesting. They leave, they leave a beacon behind. It's it's interesting. You would think though that they would just co- be constantly transmitting instead of like doing like a dump. Yeah, like a data dump. They should just be well, like constantly transmitting. Maybe they're getting close to their cap and they're worried about overage charges. <laughs> Damn, Google's <laughs> gonna charge us for this month. We got to download. I can't believe it. I know. Um, so data, he make sure you go and add ten more gigs to our plan, please. <laughs> it's these unlimited plans, man. And are, and are, yeah, the Federation just couldn't afford that unlimited plan. You know, it was just a little too outside their range. Like, mm, <laughs> how often are we really going to come close to that cap? I don't know. I didn't realize the Federation worked for my company. Oh. <laughs> I can't That's tell you how many times I'm like, we need this. And they're like, we can't afford that. I'm like, all right, fine. fine. <laughs> um, okay, back back to reality here. Um Okay, so Sulu's injured. McCoy comes up. He says that Sulu has a heart flutter. Which I don't know why he's got a heart flutter from like an explosion in his face. Um, he preps a hypo of Cordrazine. And I, I like how Kirk says, that's tricky stuff. And mm-hmm. McCoy says like, oh, it's a good thing I'm a doctor. Or like some like really snarky response. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. you, Kirk. The usual, yeah. I'm pretty sure McCoy knows what he's doing. He is a doctor. So he gives him a couple drops and then Sulu's fine. Smiley Sulu, like, hey, yeah, like I'm good. <laughs> Doped up Sulu. That was hilarious. Um, that was the best so, part of this episode. <laughs> that, that was the best part? Wow. That was the best part of this episode. Watching McCoy right. lose his shit. <laughs> Smiley Sulu and Crazy Bones. Yep. Crazy Bones. Uh, all right. So Scotty reports that they're clear of the time ripples. You know what's funny? I, I am. Um, when they were talking about this, I go to an episode of Discovery where they're trying to look for the time crystals and Tilly makes a comment. He's like, oh, everything sounds cooler if you put time in front of it. <laughs> time ripples, time crystals. I'm like, it does sound amazing. Yeah, time should go in front of everything. Um, okay, so oh, they... I oh, I love Tilly. She's Same. amazing. Uh, okay, so the Enterprise shakes again. And of course, McCoy still has his hypospray in his hand and he leans into it and he overdoses <laughs> himself on Corjazine. <laughs> Which is basically it's it's it would be like a steroid, some kind of a thing. So he's like he's like cracked out. He's, <laughs> he did a shit ton of blow. Um, so he starts like freaking out and he's like screaming at them. He's saying you're killers and assassins, mm-hmm. and he breaks free of the the bridge. He runs down to one of the transporter rooms and he beams himself down to the planet. Um, and, I thought I thought you couldn't beam yourself. Doesn't somebody have to beam you down? No, you can set like a delayed beam. Oh, you I was like, what? It. What person's operating the transporter and was like, I see a crazy McCoy come in. I'll send him down. Sure. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, a McCoy bursts in and like a 
he actually like karate chops the guy. He like knocks him out. I was like, good on you, McCoy. Kicking ass. That was hilarious. Like <laughs> he's like, look over here. Ha down Right? <laughs> it just goes to show every member of Starfleet is just deadly. They all have a license to kill. <laughs> um so yeah, he he beams down. Okay, so this is when we get our our, our captain's log supplemental entry. Uh, he, he says two, two drops. This was a very weird log. Two drops of cortisine can save a man's life a hundred times that amount just accidentally been pumped into Dr. McCoy's body. And in his strange and wild frenzy, he fled the ship and, and all connecting decks have been placed on alert. We have no way of knowing if the madness is permanent or temporary or what direction it will drive McCoy. So he's all doped up on stuff. Um, so yeah, he goes down to the transporter room. Remember, kids, crack is whack. <laughs> Just the more you know. <laughs> we're all old. If no one gets that reference, it's because we're all old kids and we grew up in, oh. in the 90s. Anybody listening to a thing about Star Trek TOS probably gets that reference. <laughs> I hope we have some young... What's what's the next generation called? I don't know. Like oh, younger you're millennials? so hopeful. Gen Z. Gen, Gen Z? I don't know. Anyways... Um, okay, so back on the bridge, Kirk, what? <laughs> you shut your mouth. All right. Um, so they don't know what to do. So the, uh, the, the medical department doesn't know what is going to happen to McCoy because um, apparently they've never experienced before. I don't know. Basically, uh-huh. say, so the ship's computers say that patients who have done this either uh, fallen, uh, they become hit. hit they're hysterical. They'll go crazy. They're in mortal danger. Blah blah blah. I mean, you think his heart would explode almost. Uh, he was acting. It might have. Yeah. Was, oh yeah. So they learn that he's beamed down. So they go. Okay, let's get a landing party. Let's go. Um, that wouldn't so, have made for much of an episode. He gets the drugs. Boom, he he's dead. Dies. He's dead. Right, episode's like, over. Guess we're not beaming down. <laughs> like whoa. The rest <laughs> of this shit doesn't happen at all. Nope. <laughs> Guess uh, what? Your contact, your contract's not getting renewed. Guess how we're killing you off. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the worst way to go. Heart explosion. Explode. Star Trek crank in, edition. In alien burst <laughs> out of it. Xenomorph. Oh, um, okay, so the away team, uh, Kirk, Spock, Scotty. I don't know why Scotty's there because it's a medical rescue. Scotty does not need to be there. Standard guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Uhura. I don't know if she ever goes on many away missions. I think this is her first away mission. I think I know they're few and far between. That's for sure. Well, cause I mean, I not taking away what she does, but she's a communications officer. She doesn't need to be on a medical rescue mission. Yeah. I don't know why she's there. Uh, and then Galloway and a security officer. Um, so I got, I got some vibes that's, you know, cause they were red shirts. I was like, Ooh, Ooh, red shirts. Mm -hmm. Something's going to happen. So they, they transport down. They discover that there is like ruins and a very old city. And in, in the, then a Stargate. So in, in the middle of this is this like um, uh, it's an it's an arc of stone, but it has a hole in it, and they're kind of in, uh, Spock and Kirk are inspecting it. Stargate. Or, <laughs> this is before Stargate, so technically they ripped it off of them. Oh. Uh, so Ohura and them are kind of looking around. They're scanning for McCoy. While Kirk and Spock are investigating this gateway, so they walk up to it, and I think Spock asks, asks a question. He's like, "Oh, what is this?" And then it lights up, and it goes, "A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space, and before your race was born, I have awaited a question." Oh. 
apparently no one's asked a question in a really I'm long hour. <laughs> so you learn this object uh, calls itself the, the guardian of guardian. forever. Um, and they, there's kind of a back and forth about asking what it is. He said, basically it's, it's a machine and a being. Um, it's both and neither. So he's very receptive to questioning. Yeah. Um, so Spock deduces, cause that's what he does. That is, it, it is a time portal, a gateway to other times and dimensions, which is funny though. Cause then they start talking and it plays like a, like a B reel of like, you know, uh, ancient Rome and then ancient Egypt and all this kind of stuff. And it runs in like a sequential thing. So, um, Spock's like recording it. Historical footage here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Insert stock footage here. Yeah. It's like, this is your earth history. Um, and that's what it, 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 it shows them. So then all of a sudden we start to see McCoy and he's getting like a splotchy face. He's got shit all over his face. (laughs) <laughs> and he's just, he's still insane and crazy. Um, you do a good job of making him look tore up. Bad shit. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He's crazy. So he freaks out. He attacks some of the crew. And then, of course, he got himself a little Vulcan nerve pinch there. Passes out. <laughs> then, of course, they turn back to the gateway. And Kirk wonders, like, oh, could we could we use it to transport back, you know, a day in time to stop McCoy from doing it? Because we don't, because they don't know medically what's going to happen to him like is is he going to die or something mm. so they're kind of looking at that and spock says oh i can record it on my tricorder so he starts recording it and then um that's when mccoy wakes up jumps right into it because he's because he's all super cracked out <laughs> crazy mccoy mm-hmm. um Okay, so this that's always that's always the first thing people think of with time travel is like the can we go back and kill Hitler and prevent World War II? Like, can we go back and stop something bad no. from happening to prevent it? So I did kind of like that they they posed that basic quandary here. And usually, something worse ends up happening. That is oh, yeah. usually how it works. Oh, yeah. that's that's anties. Yes, it All is. Right. Go, see um, mom. go see mom. Okay. No, and it's true too because yeah, you if you try and go and fix one yeah, thing, then of course you alone, okay. mess something else up. So. Jeez, Phil. Sorry, I thought I was on mute. No worries. Yeah, you were not. This is um, our daily lives. <laughs> right children, children are running amok. Do you want to? I mean, it, it, it is kind of neat because. Oh. <laughs> we'll second. keep going. Edit that out. But it is interesting because it, it it goes into one of the other theories, which is the whole butterfly effect thing. Because so there's lots of different theories of time travel. If you go back and you try and change something and then it occurs in the future, the most accepted one these days is the idea of the multiverse, where everything that you do would create an alternate timeline and an alternate existence of whatever effects happen from that occurrence. But for a long time, people believed that it was the butterfly effect symptom, which is if you go back and you change something, even the slightest change is going to change stuff in the future. The problem is that creates a horrible um, paradox in no matter what you do, because if you go back, you change something. Well, if you change anything, it has giant ripples through time that causes you to not go back in time and change it in the first place. And now it happened. It didn't happen. It happened. It didn't happen. It goes back and forth, depending on whether you went back to change it or not. And so it looping back on itself becomes a paradox that explodes the entire universe because who knows what else we can't figure out what else it would do. But it would kind of just end everything. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. 
um anyways no <laughs> so well, i i kind of like the uh the the hg wells time machine explanation of it is that basically so in it um i, f- I forget isn't the 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 scientist's name he creates a time machine in order to go back and save his fiance from dying mm-hmm. the theory is like is that well the only reason he invented a time machine was because his fiance died Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, you never would have invented it if she lived. So if you go back and invent and you save her from dying, then she would have lived. Then you never would have invented it. So then you wouldn't have gone back in time. So because yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like, well, because you can't change the thing that forced you to make a time machine and do all these things. It'd be, it'd be like saying if, if, if I create a time machine for the sole purpose of killing Hitler, I can't go back and kill him because I never would have invented the time machine as a reason to go do it. And then you so, create the paradox. Was, and so right. I know a large part of this theory was created because they, when they created computer systems as an IT person, I know this, there's what's called a loopback paradox where if you, there's a 1.127.0.0.1 loopback on any network. And if you don't create it to a point where a certain number of loops kills the, the information, it'll loop until the system crashes. And I think that's what people think of when it's like the time paradox is like, if you create a loop like that, it's just going to keep looping and looping and looping until the entire system crashes. You know, Phil's back. And on a positive note, we have not talked about anything else since you were gone. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) We talked about time travel theory. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) back to this. Um, Okay. So McCoy jumps in and we go, okay, uh, great. Um, the guardian says he has passed into what was, um, so then Uhura tries to call up to the enterprise and says, there's nothing there. Like there's not even static. There's just nothing. <laughs> uh, and Scotty finds that the commu- that there's like the communicators are working. There's just, there's nothing there. That's why Scotty so, to make sure the communicator was working. <laughs> right. That's his one job. Um, so then the guardian say, explains your, your vessel, your beginning, all that you knew is gone. And Kirk makes the realization that some somehow McCoy changed something in in the past so that the Federation, yeah, Earth, whatever, doesn't exist or it's existing at a different time. Or maybe they maybe they're still humans, but maybe they never explored space. We don't like we don't know. Just something happened that <laughs> fucked it all up. See, um, I did like that it's a mixture of those two theories. It's like the butterfly effect paradox with an alternate timeline. Like now they're an alternate timeline that didn't exist because McCoy went back and changed it so they're still there but that what they knew was gone no uh, it, it becomes it starts to hurt your head if you think about it too much but it's like mm-hmm. well if the enterprise isn't there how'd they get there and then that creates the paradox but it's something yeah. that people like to ignore a lot in old time travel stuff well it, yeah that's that's way more complicated than a you know a Tuesday night show needs to be oh absolutely or whatever night this aired on, I don't know. This is the crap um, that goes through my brain when I watch the time travel stuff, and then I go, eh, I'll let it go. Like, <laughs> let it go. All right. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, so what they're going to do, Spock says, you know, he, he recorded some of it on his tricorder. They need to, he's, I don't know if I completely understand this. He's going to time it or he, he asked the guardian to replay time again, which, so it's like all through, you know, ancient Rome, ancient Egypt and Spock time is going to time it so that they can, him and Kirk can jump into the portal before McCoy. So they can try and either find him or prevent him or something. So they're trying to get back in 
back to the past ahead of McCoy. Yeah, the best way I can think about it is it's like the movie is fast forwarding in front of them and they need to pause it at just the right moment to be before where McCoy jumped into the movie in a way. Yeah. So like yeah, for basically. those of us with old VHSs, it was like if you accidentally auto rewinded and then you wanted to get back to where you were, you had to like fast forward and wait till you got to the point. And, <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> and you'd be like, and yeah, yeah, a lot of the times you'd be like five minutes ahead, and you'd be like, I'm gonna leave it. I'm not gonna bother fast forwarding <laughs> anymore because I'll go too far. Screw it. And I'll yep. pass where I was. So yeah. that is yeah, basically what it was. He's like, I videotaped this. I can look at it, and we can jump in at the right time. Yeah. Which was um, kind of neat. What I did like, so then of course. It, Everyone says, oh, this isn't going to work. The odds of doing this are impossible. And of course, well, we're doing it anyways because we have to fix time, our, uh, the timeline. What was cool, Hold though, too, is that, <laughs> what was cool, too, though, is that and then Kirk was like, if you've waited too long and we haven't fixed this, then you guys jump in. Like, either come back and try and fix it or, like, maybe just jump in, find a quiet corner of time and just kind of ride it out. Which I was like, well, that's kind of cool because otherwise they're stuck on this planet with no way off. Yeah. So they yeah. might as well just jump into ancient, you know, history somewhere. Yeah. Um, so of course Spock does a, you know, countdown, they jump in, um, they, ju- they jump to like a fog machine. Um, <laughs> so they arrive in New York city, uh, about 1930, New uh, of York course, city. Kirk <laughs> salsa commercial, um, <laughs> Kirk rec- recognizes it from old photographs, um, and they say, clarify, oh, it's, it's, there was an um, economic up, upheaval. So it's like, you know, depression, uh, pre-World War II. Well, so 1930, that's, that's what I said. Great depression. Yes. Um, was, and I believe it's the same set. It's still the Miri, um, you know, Mayberry, Andy Griffith set, I think. If it's not, it's awful familiar. It's, yeah. yeah it's they kind of cleaned it up a bit. Um, so yeah, so they're there, they're kind of wandering about, you know, obviously they're like, oh, we're in costume, we have to get out of here. Um, they steal some clothes off of a clothesline or a, a fire escape. And then this is when you get the <laughs> freaking hilarious, <such> hilarious <laughs> line, yeah. super racist, but hilarious line. Um, so they, they have the clothes in their hand. They're in uniforming. Of course, you can see Spock's ears. A cop comes up to them and Kirk says something like, oh, you must be a, you're a police officer. And he goes, oh, you see my friend. He goes, clearly you see he's, he's, he's Oriental. He's and you're Chinese. like, oh my God. Uh, Wait, did you say Chinese? Yeah, he says Chinese. Says Chinese. You made okay, it but, even more racist. No, uh, but they say <laughs> shit like that though. They do. Um, so he says that and then he goes, and so this is the great, and he goes, oh, you can see his, his ears. Um, he got his ears caught in uh, In a rice picking machine. An automated rice rice picker. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, it's just funny how they, they say Spock's Chinese. I'm like, he doesn't even look Chinese. Yeah. Where do you get that from? Like, just say, I don't, it was just weird. Anyways. The internet, you could get away with a lot. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. So they, they run off, they escape the, the cop, um, and they dive into like a, um, a cellar somewhere. They break into a cellar, a basement. Why I thought it was a hard word to think of. Um, so Kirk's like, okay, Hey, can we build a computer? Spock's like, I don't think so. Cause there's just no parts even remotely close to building a, a computer. Um, they're arguing in the basement and then down the stairs comes this gorgeous woman. Uh, Edith Keeler, w- played by um, Joan Collins. Shit, am I forgetting her name? 
It's John Collins, right? John Collins' daughter, I think. No, it's John Collins. Am I totally... Why... Why do we host a podcast if we don't even know people? Yes, it's Joan Collins. Joan Collins. Okay. Sorry. It is Joan Collins. Okay. So she comes down. um, And I wondered too, I I don't know how how big she was back then. Was she big in the 60s? I know she's big like on Dynasty and stuff. I don't remember how if So like, was she a big name back then? Like, oh, guest starring Joan Collins. I have no idea. I I wonder. um, Hmm. Interesting. You, You look that up. Um. If if you want, I don't care either way. Um, uh, where was I going with this? The captain's log. So, okay. So she finds them. He says, oh, you know, we're sorry we broke in. We were looking around and she, did I ask where where we are? And, he, and she says, oh, you're in the 21st Street mission. So she runs like a, a homeless shelter mission. Um, and he says, oh, uh, you know, we need some work, place to stay. And what she offers work for like... What, like 10 cents an hour or something? 15, something cents. 15, 15 cents. cents an hour for 10 hours a day or something or That's a week. A buck 50. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, and, and a place to stay for what? Two, $2 a week. $2 a week. Yeah. So you have to work two days to earn a, a week's rent. I was like, shit, man. Um, okay. But then they get soup and, you know, food from the mission, just like everyone else. So they're up there, um, and we get a little back and forth with Kirk and Spock and one of the other homeless guys. Is he's like, "Oh, you think this meal's for free? We have to listen." They go, "Listen to what?" And so this is when Edith Keeler goes up, and she starts talking about how amazing humans can be. You know, someday we might harness the power of the atom. Um, it'll propel us into outer space. You know, we'll we'll be able to feed millions of hungry people and cure diseases and give us hope, and we can be better which is which is basically the whole star trek philosophy um Mm -hmm. and spock i don't know if it's kirk or spock says something like oh you know maybe she's onto something you know in this world she might be crazy but in the future like you know she's she's onto something um so yeah then they stay they decide to stay there so what i did like too is that they didn't rush it um they do show kind of like in time zero with data they didn't rush it. It wasn't just like, oh, we're here. We figured everything out, and here's here's McCoy. Like it shows like several days or a week have passed mm-hmm. of Kirk and Spock trying to figure this all out. Spock's trying to make a computer. Um, he makes a comment like, oh, I'm trying to do this with bear skins and knives, which is a great <laughs> line. I love that. Yeah. Um, he manages to do that. He steals some tools, like some watchmaking tools, and then Edith Keeler catches her, and he's like, or catches him. And he's like, I'm sorry. We just need it for the night. We'll give it back. They do that, blah, blah, blah. So essentially the, the, the main thing here is that Kirk is falling in love with, with her. Uh, we don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's, but it's proper love. It's not one and done at a Christmas party kind of love. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I, I don't know if, if the viewer back then goes, Hey, I think the whole time travel is tied to her. Cause I mean, obviously we don't know yet. We don't know anything yet. Um, and of course I think we, because us going back now, we know she's the catalyst for things. Yeah. It kind of ruins it. Yeah. Know. They didn't really say how he figured that out. He just kind of figures it just out. Just happened. Yeah. Well, so Spock is going on his tricorder from what he recorded at the gateway. And at first we see, um, an obituary for Edith Keeler, 1930, uh, her death, the result of a traffic accident. So we see that. So we're like, okay. Hasn't happened yet. Something's happening. We know she dies soon. 
Kirk comes in, they run through the his his recording again, and then we see one that says, so this is what Kirk sees. Um, it's an article from 1936 saying that Keeler met with President Roosevelt and um, and then it explodes. Like this, the strain on the computer bursts, um, which is like light bulbs and smoke. Of so then, so <laughs> then Spock explains to Kirk, he says, Oh, I just saw a news article saying that she dies in 1930. And they go, well, it's six years before the one with the president. So they go, okay, we think this is the catalyst. We think this is it. So essentially what this is, is that, um, um, Keeler in this timeline is, is a pacifist. She's like, we need to be nice to each other. We need to actually cooperate and all that. So I think, um, somehow she gains influence in the thirties and then she delays the response from America into world war two, which lets Germany kind of take over more stuff. And so we, we don't, I don't know if we lose the war or yeah, we don't. Yeah, they, well. they that was their whole that point. That, the the yeah. Germans, the Germans split the atom before we do and develop That's nuclear weapons. And she, she makes it so that peace talks reign. And then they, Germany draws out the peace talks for so long. They develop the, the nuclear weapons before we do. And they win world war two. Yeah, yeah. Thus changing so this the is entire kind of, course of humanity and the reason why the Enterprise isn't there. Which is which is funny because technically what she does is what most people would consider a good thing, trying to make peace like the reigning thing. But in this case, it turns out to be bad. Like so, it was kind of neat that way. I like. I think it's they, the most oft used example yeah. too. Is oh well, if you could just go back and just kill Hitler, that would avoid World War Two. It's like well, not necessarily. It may make things way worse. Right. Because like, someone else could have done it, or the scientists would have done something. Yeah, or you don't know the, who would have superseded Hitler. Yeah, like, or the, <laughs> or whoever took over could have been a thousand times worse than Hitler, if that's somehow possible. Yeah, or you kill him, and then maybe the communists move in, and then it's like you know Russia rules everything. It's like, yeah, so you don't know everything. Yeah, yeah. I it's, mean, you don't know the whole con. The whole concept of the devil you know versus the devil you don't. That's right. Yeah, I know the devil that lives inside my soul. Like, yes, what happened during World War Two was horrible, but we know that we won in the end. So it's like if you changed it, all that horrible stuff could happen and we don't win and it perpetuates. And you're not like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So this is kind of and this is why I like Star Trek and they can get into these moral dilemmas. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a cute little time travel episode. But like, hey, this can affect serious things. And it's you, you get into these moral quandaries about things. So, of course. Um, Spock says, well, she has to die for us, for all these things to take you know, place. And then, of course, Kirk says, I'm falling in love with her, which, which he does. As he does. Ah, uh, Jim. Which he does. Because hey, he didn't have a love interest has... last episode. So. Uh, that's true. Well, he hasn't met the creature M318 from your omnisexual five <laughs> species thing yet in Voyager. I don't know. He would have species a species 472. There, He'd there have five you go. genders go to that. pick from if he does that. Uh-huh. Oh, hey. He he likes whatever, all. whatever floats his boat. Hey. All. Um, a lot of boats being floated. Yeah. More power to him, I guess. He he, he can float a fleet. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let's so, armada. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, okay, so that's kind of where they're left out, and then we figure out. So the next morning, McCoy. Uh, jumps in. So we see this is when uh, McCoy came into the time stream and he is cracked out. Like he's got splotches all over his face. Like he's just a freaking mess, man. Um, he passes out. And I think another homeless guy tries to like 
uh, rip off his stuff or something. And then he wakes up and then um, Edith is giving him coffee. Like he's oh, wait, 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 we're going to pass the funniest part when the, when the other guy that he is talking to before he passes out, rifles yeah, through but... his pockets, pulls out his phaser and vaporizes oh, himself. Yes. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. That was, that's right. <laughs> oh, I was loving it. <laughs> I was rolling so hard. I was like, Oh, he's got McCoy's face or what's going to happen? Oh, oh, he's turning it towards himself. Uh-oh, here we go. Damn, <laughs> man. Toast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So so uh, we have a death. Oh, yeah, we do. That's true. That's we true. do. One non-crew. All right. Yeah, yeah he's messing with it, and I, I, t- I don't know why I totally spaced that out. Yeah, he basically vaporizes himself. Um, okay, so then McCoy wakes up, and he's in the mission on a bed. Edith is over him, and apparently he's just – he's – gotten over his his od essentially he's coming down off his high um she notices condition talks to him kind of doesn't really explain and this is when mccoy doesn't understand anything like he doesn't um he has no clue yeah he's like oh this must be like a, a facsimile he's like you guys are messing with me like he doesn't believe that that he's he's anywhere he thinks he's on some alien planet like he's being messed with yeah yeah so he kind of recovers um I think at one point he goes down for coffee at the mission and he just turns. And then this is when like Spock misses him by like, you know, five seconds. Half a of second, course. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, Oh, here we go. Yeah. So, yeah. So we definitely get the confirmation that Spock feels that, okay, a McCoy prevents Edith's death. And that's, that's where the alternate timeline goes. So their, their job is to correct it. So she has to die. Of course, Kirk is struggling with this. Um, oh, that's right. This is where it explains the whole heavy water experiments. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, uh, Edith must die. Blah, blah, blah. So he's unconscious. Okay. Fully recovered. He's great. Um, he wants to wait. Susan in the twenties. He says he's, he's a medical officer aboard the enterprise. Of course, she doesn't believe him. And she's like, Oh, she says a line like, um, Oh, that doesn't look like a Naval uniform or something. <laughs> Which is great, and we do actually get a good. Um, we get a good. It's it's kind of a variation of the "I'm a doctor" line. He says, "I'm a surgeon, not a psychiatrist." Yeah, yeah. It's a little variation. There's no "damn it, Jim" in there, but yeah. Damn it, Jim. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I think that's my favorite. Um, okay, later on at the apartment complex, Kirk approaches Keeler because she's coming down the stairs. They talk. She almost slips on the stairs. And Spock is kind of seeing this and he's like, oh, that could have been the time she died, even though we know she dies in a car accident. But I guess you can die from anything. As long as she dies, she just has to die some some way. Well, and I think she kind of threw herself down the stairs because Jim was there. But that's just me. Well, I get a little weak when he's around. Weak in the knees, are we? Yeah. I don't know. His shirt was on. Oh, God, if his shirt was off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but he does say, oh, it's not time yet because McCoy's not here. Um Okay, so, and yeah, this is when, like, when what Phil said, we're kind of, it's speeding up. Like, this is, we're getting close to where they have to resolve everything. Yeah. Okay, so they exit the mission. I think they're, um, Kirk's going to take her to a movie about to go see some Clark Gable movie. Um, McCoy doesn't, he says, oh, who's Clark Gable? Who's Clark Gable? <laughs> yeah, and this is kind of that linchpin, too. Um, 
which I think is funny because I think I, or I was reading the show notes and Clark Gable wasn't really even that big of a star back in the 30s. But because the, this took place in the 60s, they used a 60s reference to make people to kind of show, oh, we're going to go see a big star movie. Even though oh, he was interesting. a big star in the sense. 30s. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Well, because he was in Gone with the Wind and that came out in 39, I want to say. So he, I don't think he was that that big of a star yet. I could be horribly wrong. That's just entirely possible. So so McCoy says that. And then so she leaves and she's going to go see the this with them. Um, so Kirk and Spock leave. He walks Edith across the street. She kind of almost gets hit by a car, but Kirk stops it. So they they fully cross the street. And I'm going to explain this because this is kind of where all this starts to turn. Um, they fully cross the street and, and she says, Oh, we're going to go see a Clark Gable movie. And Jim says, Oh, who's Clark Gable or something like that. And she goes, Oh, that's exactly what my friend uh, McCoy just said. And so Kirk grabs her. And he's like, Oh, McCoy, where is he? You know who it is. And she's like, yeah, he's, he's back in the mission. And so Kirk, her, he says, stay right here. Don't cross the street. He runs back, yells at Spock, says, Oh, McCoy's here. McCoy's here. And Hello. as they're talking, um, McCoy comes out and they're all hugging. Everything's fine. This is great. So this is when it goes back to showing Edith Keeler. She starts to walk across the street towards them. And we hear the screeching of tires and it kind of cuts away, but like, you know, tires screams, we assume she gets hit. Um, but we turn back and actually, so McCoy is going to run out to try and save her. Kirk holds him and like stops him. And then you just see the pain on Kirk's face. Like he's like, shit, I had to he do knows. it. Yeah. Because he knows. Yeah. So McCoy doesn't know yet, but Kirk does. She went squish. Yeah. Um, which is, is then a, another good line is that McCoy says, you like you stopped me and or you deliberately stopped me, Jim. I could have saved her. Do you know what, what you just did? And of course Kirk does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, and I'll give Shatner props for this. He did a really good job in this episode because he has to play both that. So I I I, I liked it for that. And then Spock says, oh, he knows, doctor. He knows. So, like, very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and then the basically, and, and I, I think at, at, towards the beginning of the episode, the Guardian said, oh, once you fix the timeline, you'll come right back. So after this happens, she dies. They get transported right back. Everything's fine. Uh, timeline set back in place. Um, he says, oh, we were successful. Um, the voice of the guardian says time has resumed its shape as all as it was before. Um, and he's like, let me be your gateway. You can come back through anytime. Um, <laughs> Uhura con- uh, contacts the enterprise. They wonder if the, if the party's going to beam back up. Um, uh, you guys have only been gone a minute. Yeah. yeah. It's, and I think this is one of the only quote unquote swear words that they ever say, but Kirk says, let's get, get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they're only allowed like one swear. Uh, um, damn it. It's usually the damn it, Jim, one or the other. But, yeah. But yeah. I think hell is, I think they thought hell was worse. Uh, I don't know why. Um, but that's it. That's how the episode ends. Um, that's the city on the edge of forever. So Kirk has to live with this, but he, by killing her, you save the timeline. So, uh, Dave, what Yay. do you think? I do, like I said, about a seven. It's 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 definitely not run of the mill. I do like it, but I had some trouble with some of the logic used and mixing of theories and stuff. So, I, I'd say about a seven on the Dave meter. Okay, Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, 
like I said at the beginning, this is so far for TOS, it's my favorite episode. I don't know how much more we have to come, but I think <laughs> overall for Trek, it's I don't think it's in my top 10. I'd really have to think about it, but still, it's a really solid episode. The ending was a little rushed, but eh, hey, what are you going to do? Right. I think that's, yeah, I think that's them just going, okay, we, we did our 45 minutes. Now we got to kind of wrap this up. It's kind of, which I I get. That's how most episodes are. Um, no, I, I agree. I think this is probably, it's definitely top five TOS. Um, it's, I don't think it's top 10 all Trek just cause I, I'm, I'm very biased towards TNG cause that's what I grew up on. Yeah. And we have a lot more Trek to go and I love discovery too. So we have a lot more Trek to get through. Um, I think my whole scale is going to reset when we get to TNG. <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah. It's just different. Um, but I did like this. I like what it did. You know, it's 1967 and it's like, again, like what Kim and my dad have said, it's like, you know, prior to this, you got lost in space and it was very campy and time tunnel and very different when Trek comes along and you've got episodes like this, where like, let's deal with like science and timelines and sacrificing, you know, and this is a, a, a theme through most of Trek, you know, the goods of the many the outweigh the, the needs of the few. Yeah. And that's alternative right. factor. That's voyage home. That's, or, I mean, it's like a ton of stuff. So, um, I like that they're dealing with it. It's, and they, I, I like shows that give their audience the benefit of the doubt. They don't just treat their audiences like, Oh, you guys are stupid and just want to watch entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I want something that I can enjoy and think about. Um, that's so, I think yeah. a lot of the appeal is especially in next generation and going forward. We always have that. They don't dumb stuff down for the audience. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I agree. It's, it's very, yeah, there's a lot of technical speak and everything that's happening and, and real science behind a lot of it. So Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that it's not dumbed down. Yeah, I, and I've always appreciated that about about um, any show that I watch is like I want it to be well written and smart, but you know, fun and enjoyable. Yeah. Um. Okay, mm-hmm. that's it for me on that episode. That's episode twenty eight. Yep. So we're almost done with the season. Uh-huh. We have one mm-hmm. more. Um. Which? What is next week? Operation, Operation Annihilation. Annihilation. Operation Annihilation. Yeah. yeah, so that's the last episode of or season Operation one. Annihilate, I guess. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Operation Annihilate. I like mine better. Operation Annihilation. That's better. <laughs> um, I don't think I've seen this one. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but that's gonna wrap up our season one. I think. Um, depending how long we talk about the episode, I think we'll probably do like a little recap of season one as well. You know, the the ups, the downs, the in betweens. Um, I'm looking we'll forward to, see, to season two myself. There's we some get good check off comes up. on board. Yep. Um, mirror mirror. So we start getting the mirror universe stuff. Uh, yeah. trouble with tribbles is season two. Yep. Uh, Spock's parents get introduced. It's yep. uh, a lot of good stuff that happens in season two. Yep. Mud comes back. Um, a mock time is always a fun one. Yeah. Um, changeling. Yeah. There's some good ones coming up. So, um, cool. Anybody else have anything else to say about, Oh, make David, make sure you update the kill tracker. That one homeless guy died. Plus one. Yes. Homeless guy. So yeah, that, that ups our not crew kill count from 46 to 47. So we have 44 crew, 47, not crew, five red shirts for a total of 96 dead. We might break a hundred. We'll see. 101 Maybe. season. Okay. I mean, I the, don't know. Well, I don't know how many people episode die. The next does have the word "annihilate" in it, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. 
Please be literal. Please be literal. Please be literal. <laughs> we're doing this for all the wrong reasons. Suddenly we're like, we have uh, yeah. 960 deaths. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, well. Sorry, guys. Careful uh, what you wish for. Uh, <laughs> cool. I think that's it um i think when this comes out it's it so it's still before picard comes out so i'm looking forward to that um we're discussing maybe doing some live picard not live but like more recent picard episodes of this let's see let's figure that out i don't know yet um the only thing i want is going to say about our fans is like hey if if you're listening out there i know from i was looking at it at our stats um, <laughs> is that we're definitely getting a lot more downloads. Um, please interact with us. we always want to talk to people that listen fans. Like, you know, David says every time it's like things we get wrong, things we don't get wrong. If you want to talk about something, if we can do a mailbag episode, I'm happy to do that just to have comments people come up with. Or if you want to be a guest, I mean, if you're I, any if you have a fan, theory or about something we've talked about and you have an alternate theory or something that's going on, let us know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I know we, uh, we, we bag on a lot of episodes like the, our last one. Um, but you know, it's, we, some of them suck. <laughs> some of them suck and they do even in TNG, some of them suck and Voyager and DS nine. And that's okay. It's, I think a, a, a healthy criticism is good to push, the things that we like to be better, but don't be an asshole. Never be an asshole. Like uh, yeah, I might criticize a character or some writing, but I'm not going to like rag on the, on the actor. It's not their fault. Yeah. You know? So just, um, but I, I'm, I'm always open for, or I'm always happy to have an open discussion about things and talk to our fans and, and, you know, build this community. Cause I love the Trek community. Um, I'm looking forward to going to STLV and us being there and, and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> So please keep us. Hotel booked. We're going. We're going. Words. Um, that's it for me. I talked a lot this one. So if you're sick of me talking, then tell these guys to talk more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's it. What? (laughs) Maybe. Um, that's it for me, Dave. Why don't you go ahead? Unless anyone else had anything else to say. All right, send us an email at <laughs> nerdtrekpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let us know, like like Jeff said, something we got right, something we got wrong. You want to yell at us for something or give us a pat on the back. It'd be awesome. We'd love to hear from you either way. Um, also, we have our website at nerdtrekpodcast.com, which has all of our links to our Do social we? medias. We will by the time this comes out, I hope. <laughs> um, we did have a little bit of a technical difficulty. It was up, and then it was down, and then it was up again, and then it was down. So uh, we should have it up again by the time these come out. But uh, that should have a link to all of our social medias. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, we, we're Jeff is tracking those pretty well in response to most everything. Sometimes I'm on there, too. Phil kind of ignores it, so don't try to contact Phil through that. But <laughs> we'll, we'll link him over the message. Um, but, uh, but yes, please. And then go anywhere where pods are casted on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or any of those. Please go on, give us a five-star rating and review. Again, please review. We'd love to read out some reviews on the air. Um, even good or bad, I think we'd probably get a, a kick out of reading some bad reviews. Um, but we're taking the heart. Uh, so please just let us know good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, let us know. Uh, and yeah, that, that's yeah. about it. That's my spiel. All right. Cool. 
All right. Well, that's it. Um, come back for next time. We'll finish out season one. We'll do a little recap of the season, see where we're at. Um, but that's it. That's all I got, guys. Anything awesome. from you? Nope. Thanks, everybody. Have all a right. Catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.